The Gun Experiment proudly presents Chopping It Up. And here are your hosts, Mike and Big Keith. What's going on? You're looking at it, buddy. Oh, my you missed, goodness. You missed a good dinner. I'm sorry you couldn't come. Yeah, well. It tasted delicious. Did it? Yeah. Um, it was actually the first time I ever made it. It, it uh, came out pretty well, though. What was it again? It was uh, pollo asado. little, okay. uh, you know, I don't know. I guess it's more uh, Latin chicken. It's got some citrus in it, orange and lime. and <clears throat> Sounds Latin. Yeah. It's good. It was delicious, though. came out nice. very good. Made some rice. Yeah. Well, I, so I should probably just put this out there. People on Instagram might have already saw it, but <clears throat> I am two days out of thyroid surgery. So I have a nice little slit on my throat and uh, my my voice is a little hoarse. Can't swallow anything hard. I could not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep. Keith invited me over for some, some dinner and I said I can't swallow anything hard. <laughs> yep. That's pretty much it. So uh, That's funny. So anyway, if I need to take a little break here and take a sip of water. I got some, some lifesavers here. I'll be crunching on those. Maybe I apologize to everyone listening, but I vowed never to miss an episode and I'm not going to break that today. Uh, we talked about me having to bring you uh, you know, a headset and a microphone to the hospital. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, I, I was like, you know what? Like I'm, I'm, I'm dedicated to this and you know, this is important to me and I'm uh, you know, I'm not going to miss. So you're you know? going to have to sneak in a microphone. <laughs> But then, then I got I got told that uh, Tony Simon did an episode of their show from a hospital bed. And I was like, I, I oh, I, did I did. He, he kind of just stole my thunder a little bit. That's it. Love Tron did it from the from the bed. Exactly. So anyway, we'll get into this thing. I want to remind everyone that we release new content every Tuesday morning. So be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And as always, today's episode is sponsored by our friends over at Target Sports USA. Their new ammo offering, New Republic was specifically engineered for performance and reliability, and it's available in six calibers. Be sure to sign up for their Ammo Plus membership at targetsportsusa.com, which gets you 8% off all ammo purchases and makes you eligible for their truck giveaway in September, which Keith and I plan on being there for that big event. And uh, we'll be on the microphones interviewing all the contestants. Get yeah, ready that, for was, that. that was a lot of fun last year. It was year. cool meeting those people. Yeah, Some of those people were, were real nice people. So I also have a uh, pretty big announcement for our show. I know I've mentioned it before. I've talked about it before, but we always ask for a little bit of support from you guys. It is official. You can now <laughs> join our mailing list. I know some of you have signed up in the past. That's great. At thegunexperiment.com. There's a pop-up that'll come up. There's a I'm trying sign it right up now. at the very bottom and it is new and improved. I actually have someone running the whole thing. They send out weekly clips from our episodes and there's all kinds of links for content. So that is going to get further and further developed. It's been a long time coming, but it is officially here. And, um, you know, it, it's good to have somebody that knows more about email stuff than me running it. And, and I'm happy to give that part away. So content is coming on our mailing list. Make sure you sign up. And we're going to get into this thing, but before we introduce tonight's guest co-host, let's talk about Four Patriots. Their 72-hour kit will provide breakfast, lunch, and dinner for three days and at only $29. It's a very affordable price to get one for each member of your family. As you've heard before, Keith and I, we've talked about it. We've personally taste-tested this kit, and we weren't disappointed. It was good, all three meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I can honestly say that they make a quality product at a great price, it's all made right here in the USA, has a 25-year shelf life, but it gets even better for all of you. They've offered our listeners 10% off 
with the discount code GUNEXPERIMENT10. So go check them out at 4Patriots.com. It's something that I think is very important. We all should definitely be more prepared with some long-term food storage. So that's going to bring us to tonight's guest co-host. He's a newcomer to our show, and we're really excited to chop it up with him, making his gun experiment debut. I'm pleased to welcome Mike Bilat from IDG Stippling. Mike, how are we doing? Hey, how's it going, guys? Thanks for having me on. Ah, no problem, man. Pleasure to have you on. So uh, I should probably give a little bit of a uh, background story here. So uh, we have had the guys from 1911 Syndicate on uh, a couple of times, and Chris reached out to me and said, hey, Mike, you need to meet Mike. And that's how we got connected. And you run uh, IDG Stippling. You do uh, custom stippling and Cerakote. And uh, you were like, hey, man, I want to send you out a couple grips for you and Keith. Uh, those have been on our Instagram. You didn't, it was one of the coolest things. Uh, I didn't ask for it, but you kind of came up with this concept of a uh, yin and yang uh, concept of uh, white and black and uh, sent those out to us. And they were awesome, man. We we really, really enjoyed them. So thank you I, so much. Awesome. I've already, uh, I, I test fired mine after uh, Mike did surgery on it without me knowing. And uh, it was a big improvement. Uh, the grips were, the stippling was a big improvement over over stock for sure. So yeah. I, I appreciate the uh, the help. Yeah, and our no, friend, no problem, guys. Thanks. Our friend Frank uh, does a little bit of Cerakote work, and he actually saw Keith and yeah, good Keith. Yeah, he did. He was like, uh, he said the Cerakote was excellent. He could not find the seam. He was like, this is a really, really good job. Awesome. That's what we aim for. He he Perfection. Da- he he dabbles a little bit in it himself, so I know that he uh, he was somebody who uh, would would know if it's looking good or looking not so good. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like he knows what he's talking about when he's looking for ridges and all that. Yep. So, uh, how, how did you get into this world? Uh, you know, it, it seems like uh, sitting there with a little soldering iron making little dots on a grip would be uh, tedious. How did you get into that world? Uh, yeah, so it started around well, January 2018, about. Uh, I was always into firearms in one way, shape, or form. Uh, I didn't own one until much later in life, but, uh, you know, I kind of was a pro, semi, semi-pro uh, paintball player, um, so that kind of got me used to shooting at stuff, and then once I stopped with that, got married, had kids, kind of realized that uh, my karate training wasn't enough and, you know, needed to be a better protector and provider, so uh, that's when I applied for my pistol permit. Uh, I had that for probably around seven years or so. But yeah, so I kind of, that's how I got started. And then I was started to, uh, you know, that whole saying of like, you know, if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. That's kind of how I try to live my life. I feel kind of guilty, maybe like purchasing stupid things or 50 of something. So, uh, figured, Hey, let's make a business out of it and, uh, you know, see where it goes. But I was kind of interested in the firearms training side. So that's why the company's actually called integral defense group. It was more going to be geared to being, you know, training oriented, you know, I'm, I'm not, military or law enforcement. So I would have stayed in my lane would have been kind of like those uh, NRA certified classes, uh, you know, New York pistol permit courses, stuff like that. For the most part, um, I got into USPSA, uh, competition shooting in the production division. So another goal would be kind of to do uh, performance shooting, but you know, no one would want to take classes from a 10th place shooter. So I had to get better. <laughs> I have to get better and uh, improve my craft. And then that would allow me to introduce more classes. Uh, at the same time, I was looking at, um, you know, upgrades for the gun for competitions, you know, the, any kind of edge you could get, you know, you should take. And that's where I saw stippling. I seen 
only a couple people doing it. So me being a cheapskate, I'm like, I could do that. <laughs> so I uh, ended up just, you know, I, it was around the same time, actually, that the SIG 320 uh, came out. So, you know, I was looking into it. I'm like, oh, I got to get my FFL, stuff like that. Then I saw this 320 and I'm like, what? The fire controls, this, the gun, you know, the quote unquote gun right. with the serial number. I'm like, perfect. So I was able to get those shipped in. I feel as though that opened up a lot of doors for people who wanted <clears throat> yeah. to get into stippling because you didn't need an FFL to do it, which, you know, I've actually, I've actually given SIG a lot of credit in the past of saying that that was a, a real ingenious design and it opened up a lot of doors. And, you know, I really wish that kind of innovation, I wish other companies would kind of go that route because it does allow so much modification. It's so interesting that some companies don't see the value in aftermarket customization, you know, like it's like they don't, I mean, I guess maybe, maybe in the firearms world, there's a sense of uh, responsibility on the liability side. I I don't know, but you know, there's a whole world of aftermarket, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. And and we all like it. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I agree with you with the liability portion of it. I, I do see some kind of Glock uh, companies, Glock-ish companies, uh, doing that. You have uh, what is it? Zev. They have a uh, you know sort of like a module, so to speak. Uh, you can kind of change out some grips. You know, you're paying an arm and a leg for it, but right. same thing kind of with uh, with the Sig modules. Like, yeah, you can change out and have like a full size to a carry to a competition gun. Mm-hmm. The price is kind of high when you get to the slide and everything like that. Um, it's almost a, for us being in New York, you know how we got to like register our pistols on our permit and stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's almost better to just, you know, to do it that way. But for other people, they can just go out and grab another one. It's almost the same price. So that's kind of gets a little rough, but yeah, 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 props to SIG for that design. Yeah, it's definitely cool. And I actually meant to actually say that we are uh, pleased to have another New Yorker yeah. on the show. So you're, you're up by Buffalo, right? Yeah, 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 suburb of Buffalo, fighting the good fight over here in New York. You know the pain. You yeah. know the pain and oh, suffering. Oh, tell me about it. <laughs> Speaking of New York, that brings us to our first uh, sort of topic of discussion today, and we're going to kind of bounce all over today. We got some gun stuff. We got some, some I guess, political stuff. But this one uh, is about a New York City parking pirate. <laughs> it just and made me laugh. I, I, yeah, I, so Keith is the rock star when it comes to chopping it up because I'll be like, dude, I need articles. And the next thing I know, I have like 400 articles. and they're I all, sent you a couple today. Yeah, they just keep coming. <laughs> and he sends me this one. I don't know. I like, I enjoy, uh, I enjoy like, reading news articles more than I enjoy watching a news. <laughs> you're, you're actually good though at like, it takes me forever to find interesting ones. You just come up with so many. And so this one, let's get into this one. This one, yeah. this is the title. It says New York city parking pirate, John McIntosh. This was from the New York post. will give up his space for booty. Now, when I first read this, I said, <laughs> the title, the, the, I'm like, wait, is this guy like, get, like getting asked? Right. I, is he, is he asking the girl to flash him to get a parking spot? Yeah. Which I thought was ingenious. Like I, I was like, I don't know where this is going. Uh, sadly, I'm in the wrong is, business. Yeah, that is not it though. He, he's not, he's not no, getting any pirate booty, pirate booty. Correct. <laughs> so <clears throat> this guy is basically going, and if, if you're not from uh, the New York city area, Parking is horrendous. Yes. And so what this guy does is he parks his car, which I'll get to in a second, and he takes up spots and then people will come and say, hey, are you moving? And his this line was great. Well, that'll cost you a dollar to find out and it'll cost you $20 for my spot. <laughs> so he charges people. It makes- uh, About a hundred bucks a day. About a hundred bucks a day, he said. And- he Takes Venmo. Yeah. So he's, he's very entrepreneurial, but- the picture of his car is the best part. So it looks like something out of the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> <clears throat> He's got 
benches and lamps and I mean, furniture. there's so much weight on it that the suspension is like bottomed out. <laughs> yeah. And he sells stuff off of it, too. I was reading in the article, like he'll sell things off of his car. Like people oh, are like, oh, you know, uh, you that American flag or that cabinet and he'll sell it. I did not know that. OK, that makes a little a little bit of sense. He he gets a lot of a lot of flack, this guy, because I mean, his car really is an eyesore. I, I will say that. Yeah. Some and so people would say that about some of my rides. And this guy's rides a little worse than yours. (laughs) And so, you know, people are like, you know, something needs to be done about it and this and that. And uh, he kind of looks homeless, like in terms of like, you know, his cars are all his stuff. It looks like. It looks artistic. He he doesn't consider himself homeless, he says. No. But I'm looking at this and I, I actually know a guy, Keith, who was a, he was in the finance sector, Uh made really good money, very smart. And was living in New York City and he was just miserable. And he one day was walking down the street and he noticed that people were throwing away like perfectly good stuff. And he basically became an eBay entrepreneur. And he, you know, living in a city like New York where people just throw out stuff. Yeah. He that he literally lives in the most expensive city in the world. And that's what he does. He goes around, <laughs> he picks up trash, picks up things, and he he Looks at what they're worth and he sells them. And I mean, he makes a ton of money doing it. Wow. So, I mean, like these kind of people exist in the city, Um, you know. So, Mike, we're talking about you doing some entrepreneurial stuff. I mean, here you go. If if stippling doesn't work out. Yeah, I love me a good entrepreneur story. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) uh, Buffalo's a pretty good sized city. You know, you could, you could. You could take up some parking spots, yeah. I don't know, man. It's kind of weird, though. He was like, he's guarded about his past and his uh, living arrangements. That seemed kind of weird to me when I read the article. I was like, oh, boy. So now he's going to be you know, famous on a news article and a bunch of dirt's going to come up on him or something. Who knows? Oh, that would be funny. I, <laughs> I, uh, I haven't seen anything new come up on him yet, but he says he's been doing this for 13 years. So he's uh, definitely been doing it for quite some time here. So New York City, to me, is such a weird place because and we're going to get into another New York City article a little later on. I think it's actually at the very end of the show. And New York City, as we know, I'm going to bring this to guns a little bit. We know that New York City politicians, they love to sort of be overbearing and weigh in on how much soda you can buy and how much this you can do and how much that you can do. And they they love regulations. But I'm looking at this guy's car in this one particular picture and I'm thinking, nobody seems to think that that's like maybe a, I don't know, a driving hazard or, I mean, I'm looking well, at Well, like, he's not driving, he's parked. Well, at some point he moves his car though, right? Yeah, well, you got to catch him in the act. That might be true. <laughs> <laughs> that might be true. But I have to say, I cannot believe that nobody in New York City seems to have a problem with this guy's car. Oh, like, I think a lot of people have problems with the car. I mean, a lot of the uh, critics in the in the article are yeah. like, it's a nuisance. It's an eyesore, you know? But, but I mean, what are you going to do? It's his property. Well, like, but that's right? my point though, is like New York, I'm, I'm talking more about this from like a political sort of like- yeah nobody has been like, we have to stop people from piling too much shit on their cars because they love regulation. You know, it's like, this seems like a very regulatable thing. Like, you yeah, know, you like can't. plastic bags. No, but you know, this guy's, you know, garbage heap. Yes. Yeah. And yeah I ha- absolutely. I'm sure he's breaking a couple traffic laws. Has to be. In terms of how it's mount, you know, like, you know, when you tie something, strap something down, it has to be a certain way. A stra- you know, I like, guess. so I'm sure he's outside of some of those laws, but again, it's New York City. New York City cops do not want to be dealing with this. this. Yeah. 
and you know he's moving from one spot to another and then parking and i mean we are it is hard to find another parking spot yeah. so i am curious how how that happens for him but he must he's i mean got, if that's all you have to do all day you know you just I wait guess. to double park i guess until something yeah. opens up and yeah. then you take it and there there, there, there it is, is. yeah you know? So I mean, like a bad Seinfeld episode. It, it and I and by <laughs> the way, for people out there that are listening, uh, we're not doing this car justice. I mean, it is probably piled ten feet high. He has everything from desk chairs to carpets to baby carriages to American flags. I mean, it literally looks like the Beverly Hillbillies, the, the Clampets is <laughs> what it reminds me of. Yep, just like out of that show. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, listen, this guy, Keith, you said it, he's probably breaking a law or two, but I really want to talk about real criminals. <laughs> yeah. So can you, what do you got for me on Hunter Biden? Uh, well, I mean, I'm sure by now everyone has heard about uh, his uh, exceptional plea deal. Um and uh, I just, I, I, I'm really at a loss of words. It's just, you know, every time I feel like I've got some amount of hope left in the system that our forefathers has put in place, something like this happens. And I, it, it, it's really on both freaking sides. It doesn't matter what side it is. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle you fall on. This backhanded backdoor deals happen all the time, and I'm just plain out sick of it. So you know, let me stop you really quick. I, I'm a little in the dark on this. I, I've actually kind of, uh, I think I've mentally turned off on this whole thing. Right. Maybe because of that reason. Uh, if I've got this correct, he's sort of a he's sort of a known. He's been known to be a drug abuser, things like that. And and he applied. It doesn't for, have anything to do with that. It, it was he 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 took a plea deal on two particular charges. What's but what is he? I know he did something with guns. That's the part I don't All right, know. So that's one, a second charge. The first charge for this plea deal was tax evasion. Yep. Okay. And then the second part was uh, was lying on his background check form. Right, and and the what he lied about was, was being was that was where the drug part came gotcha. into play. Okay, so and, I have that right. Yeah, um, which is ten years. Right, and basically uh, that's not an issue now. And um, right. he's, I don't even let me find the details here of the actual what the actual plea deal was. I was so just fed up with the entire process; it made me a- aggravated, and I didn't. I kind of tuned it out myself. Um, why is there a picture of him naked with a gun? That's to show, I, I think in, in that same time frame, there are other pictures with him smoking crack and like in that same day, date and time, like, you know what I mean? And then with a, with a firearm, um, I know that there's also some stuff out there and I, and I don't know the names and I apologize, but there have been a couple of other people who have been accused of the same crimes who have not had the, yes. the, the great fortune of being the son of the president yes. and uh, are facing serious charges, right? And what I understand, to be fair, is that the guns, like the one, for instance, was the lady whose son shot his teacher. Yep. And so they're saying that, you know, in that situation, it was actually used to, you know, in a crime where someone got hurt. And that that's sort of the the difference is that no one used Hunter Biden's gun in uh, a crime where someone was was hurt with that gun. But still, at the same time, how do you how do you say that what we're holding this person for is that they did something wrong on their background check and then not hold him for the you know same? Thing? Yeah, I mean, he's walking around naked with a handgun, and uh, your buddy in the NBA there is you know getting 
what is what is he? He's getting far worse. I mean, well, monetary monetarily wise, wise yeah. yeah. Mike, what do you think about all this stuff? It's just uh, you know pretty much straight up tyranny. I can't get over it either. It's uh, astounding. It's just the laws. There's two sets of laws. You know, they get what they get. They get a slap on the wrist. If it was any one of us, we'd be the, you know the book would be thrown at us. Yeah, you know yeah. they're probably going to go after that parking pirate for Venmo. You know if he's evading taxes, he's <laughs> probably going to get hit up now. But yeah. Hunter, totally fine. Well, and you know it's funny because so listen, I understand that Donald Trump is a pretty divisive character. I know even amongst gun people, uh, pro gun people, and uh, conservatives, and I have you know family members who you know they are uh, as conservatives can be, and they can't stand Donald Trump. So I understand that he's pretty divisive, but it it is. And this is not a, in any way, shape, or form, an endorsement on Trump or, or you know, for or against. But I find it interesting that we're going after him so hard and heavy, you know, right now in legal battles. And meanwhile, you have, you know, the thing with Hillary, with the emails, nothing came of that. You have something here with Hunter Biden, nothing's going to come from that. And so it's like, you know, it does feel like there's this sort of... Uh, these double standards across the board, whether, and again, that's not to say that the Republicans aren't doing this stuff as well, but I just think it's very, very poor timing on the fact that they're going after, uh, Donald Trump. And, and they're burying, they're burying, you know, the individuals who have brought some of this forward, some of the whistle flow, whistleblowers, you know, there's been even more things that are happening. That's out of the realm of what should be normal even after the fact that he's gotten this plea bargain, you know, so it's, it's just, it's just disgusting. I don't, you know, um, like I said, and I, and I'm not, and I'm not saying that because it's, it's the Bidens. I, 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 I really believe it's both sides. I was actually just going to say this, listen, from a, forget about the president for a second. He's the father of a son. Mm -hmm. Most people I know, if they could protect their children from any sort of, you know, uh, anything wrong in their life, most parents are going to use all their power possible. I don't, that's not even where I have a problem with this. I mean, I do have a problem with that, but from a father's standpoint, I get it. But how do we as a country, how do we as a, as a government not have some sort of, you know, accountability for this? It just, it really is disgusting. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the, a lot of this stuff, you know, has been going on since the laptop issue and, you know, everybody denounced that that it was even a thing, and, and it's come out to be that it was a real, true, real thing. And some of those pictures that you were referring to earlier came from that laptop. You know, it's right. it's nuts. Yeah, was one of those pictures the uh, pirate parking pirates car? Or no, that, <laughs> no, that wasn't on that, there. That was not there. I oh, think. Okay, just just checking. <laughs> well, I mean that you know that kind of brings us is a good segue, and our next article is about uh, your new car spying on you and. It, this freaked me out. You said this to me, and I was like, I said to my wife, I was like, this has definitely gotten under Keith because you're a big car guy. Oh, yeah. You're a big Ford guy. Yeah, well, it's not just it's Ford. It's not just Ford. It's it's Toyota. Chevrolet. Chevrolet, Ford. Yep. It's actually all of them are doing some version of this. But after I sent you this article, I was taking my father-in-law to a doctor's appointment, and uh, he likes me to drive his car when when I take him somewhere. Okay. Right? So he's he's a Toyota guy. And, new Toyota, uh, a newer new, newer Toyota, a couple years old, and I was uh, dro I dropped him off, and I was going to park the car, and I looked up at the visor, and literally there was a uh, disclaimer. He didn't he didn't take it off, and it said 
this car is data logging and listening, like basically listening to everything that you do, like everything that's in this car. It's 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 monitoring. So I was wow. under the I was under the impression from this article that it's only like the super new, like the like the, this is super new. Oh, it, it is. Okay. It's a, a, it's a twenty twenty two or twenty twenty one. You know gotcha. what I mean? It's okay. it's very very new. Okay. Um. It's uh. Yeah. It's just over a year old, I believe, and it's got like yeah. Whatever. So it's, I, new, it's new enough to have the disclaimer on it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> okay. So the article. Word for word, your new car is watching you and collecting your data. So that's sort of it. When you sent this to me, I was like, oh boy. Like, but, but there are varying versions of this. Toyota, I think, is the seems to be the worst from the article. I see, I got the opposite. Toy- I, thought, I thought Ford was by far the worst. In fact, no. I think it even says Ford goes a step further. I, I, On I, maybe I, one particular topic, but some of them are listening to you Ford and, is. Uh, and others are not. Ford is. And... Um, uh, some are some you can turn off and some you cannot. Yeah. So I, this I, actually started with Tesla, by the way. Tesla is like one of the first ones to do because they're so techy, like they're so high tech. Well, and they were they were taking the <clears throat> the data from the cameras to help their um, autonomous driving and some of those other stuff. So you know that's how they were. So Toyota, you can turn it off apparently. Yep. And Ford is the one that's listening. Ford is the most intrusive, from what I'm reading. But but here's the thing. When I first read the article, when I first read the title, when you sent it to me, I was like, "Oh boy!" Because I mean, I don't have an Alexa in my house. Like, I don't, I don't like. No, this that is stuff. why I drive twenty-year-old cars. Yeah, but <laughs> you know what? Though, here's the thing, though. Reality is, you have a cell phone on you at all times, and they're listening. And I looked at what this is actually taking in. So let me go to Ford's really quick, because Ford, I, like I said, I remember them being a little more intrusive. It's recording data such as tire pressure, information on how parts are performing, vehicle charging information, if it's electric. They can collect driving data and characteristics such as your speed, how you push the pedals, seatbelt-related data, uh, information on your travel direction, precise location, speed, local weather, uh, and then this is Ford. Voice recognition systems in some of its vehicles can gather information when they are listening. Its media analytics involve capturing information about what you listen to in your car, radio presets, volume channels, media sources, title, artist, and genre. So I have to say that... None of that is something like if they listen to me listening to, uh, you know, a certain artist, none of that seems like super scary. It's more the the, going down the rabbit hole of where does it lead? Well, where does it go? Right. Right. Where do they store it? Right. Well, and And just just to be clear, this is from the same article, GM. Uh, This is a document from General Motors. And it's the document says that and also say data from camera images, sensor data, voice command information. So that's listening to your voice. Yep. Stability control, anti-lock events, security, theft alerts, also infotainment stuff, radio, rear seat information, uh, infotainment information, Wi-Fi data usage. So if you stop over to look at, you know, porn or something, they know you're doing it. Because if you're driving around (laughs) looking at porn. Like, I guess people could probably, I mean, I've heard stories of people doing that, like riding down the road and on their their Tesla screen there, they're... (laughs) watching some well my, my truck's old enough that i i don't have that option so i don't either so mike uh does this stuff freak you out or i mean some people listen some people are like techie and this stuff doesn't freak them out at all where do you stand on this so i have a programming background and you know the data mining thing you know if anything these companies are making a ton of money selling oh, yeah. the data Yes. You know, like we have those reward cards at like, you know, uh, supermarkets and stuff that are, you'll save 10 cents, but they'll sell your data for a ton more. So not only are they charging more for these cars now, 
They're harder to get. They're also making money on the back end, probably selling this data. That's best case scenario. The worst case scenario I'm thinking is like, you know, it'd be a, you know, what if they start using this for uh, subpoenaing the evidence? You know, they yeah. find out you were listening to Nickelback singing along horribly, and they cap- capture all that, subpoena it in court. You know, let's say it was someone else's fault. Could they use that? That sets like a dangerous like precedent in my head. Oh, oh meaning like you 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 got into an accident. Yeah. You weren't paying attention because you were singing Nickelback. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess I, that could so- happen. I, I tend to, I'm probably as middle of the road as you can get on this. I get a little freaked out by it. Uh, I am. I don't like the idea of the idea of someone listening in on me. Uh, they admittedly say in the article that they do plan on selling some of that to insurance companies and things like that. Uh, the one thing that came to my mind, and so here's the double-edged sword, I'm going to kind of play devil's advocate, is let's say that you are in an accident and they go back in the data log and it shows that you were... 20 miles an hour over the limit or 30 miles an hour over the limit. And they bring that into court and, and obviously, you know, that wouldn't go good for you. That happens today, by the way. <clears throat> right. Yeah. And so I know people that would say, well, but that's good. Like we should hold people accountable and you shouldldn't be speeding in X, Y, and Z. Well, sure. Uh, until it's you. Right. I mean like not for nothing, but like, I don't want to, I don't want my own information used against me. You have a right in a court of law to uh, the right to remain silent. Right. But in this case, they're using the idea of technology where you can't remain silent. They're actually mm-hmm. using your own data against you in a court of law. So I, I, I understand from an outside perspective, if someone hit your kid, you would say, I want, I want the person brought to justice. So there's that side of it. But I also think that you should not be self-incriminated by your own vehicle. You know, and the data log. And Mike, maybe you can talk a little bit more about this, but I feel like we're at the cusp of being able to turn this stuff off ourselves, like being able to say, no, I'm not okay with you taking my data and selling it. And I feel like Europe has come a pretty far way with that. Um, you know, Mike, Mike, I'm not sure if, if you are, are, you know, from your yeah, program. I don't have much to say about that. I mean, you know, you would hope that there would be some sort of way to turn it off. Um, you know, there was some dangerous precedents with Apple having like the, uh, yep. being able to like subpoena your phone and get like, uh, you know, your, your, if your phone was locked, they'd be able to like get to it. So this is really, uh, it's a strange time for sure. I mean, uh, you know, last thing I want is to drive five more miles over the speed limit and then have my insurance go up cause they caught me, you know, and yeah, now I'm more a of a dangerous point. driver. You know, I mean, that's best case scenario. Worst case, I mean, you could take this as far as you could. I mean, if it's something that's too electronic, you could have hackers. There's already stuff that you see with that one device. I can't recall the name of it, but, you know, people could get into Kias and stuff and then they take it for joyrides. You know, something happened in Buffalo with that. You know, they ended up passing away, but, um, you know, they took a car, joyride, boom. Um, You know, that type of stuff is, it's just scary. You know, the more electronic things get, the less you is in the car with cars, you know, people like the manual transmission and stuff like that. They want to be a part of the car. It wants to be like an extension of them. You know, these things are autonomous, which, you know, it could be good, I guess, but it's really a strange time we're living in and being a tech kind of guy. uh, It's, you know, I understand both sides, but it's it's a scary, scary time, man. I, I would be fine with this is, this is your property. You own it. You own the technology that's in it. You bought the technology that's in it. Right. You know, so yeah. I kind of feel like, I would be okay with as long as at the time of purchase or some setting that I have to agree to when I get in the car for the first time or something like that that says, you know, do you agree to your data being... Would you ever really trust it? 
Well, no, but uh, at least I, I mean. No, I mean, would you ever really trust that, like, you hitting that, I don't want my data collected, that they're not doing it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I you have to. I don't un, I don't know what other choice you have in that matter other than be like me and drive 20-year-old right, cars. Right. You know what and I that, mean? And that's really, like, I meant to say to you, Keith, is, like, what's the end here? Because at some point, you know, you're probably going to buy a new car in your life. And at some point, like, you're going to buy a cell phone. And at least this is... We're not getting rid of this. This is happening. It's going to no, happen. No, but that's why I'm saying that this this kind of goes back to, and we've talked about this on the show before, is like this data collection stuff. Like, you, you know, you have to be in control right. of your data. You have to be in control of how you use these things and whether or not it gets shared. And, <clears throat> and there has to be some sort of, um, you know, trust that when you say no, no means no, <laughs> you know, like, I, I, yeah, I, I, for me, this is an off air thing, so I'm not going to go into too much detail, but you and I have philosophical debates all the time off the air. I have, I have a friend that him and I debate phil- philosophical things and concepts all the time. And we are pretty open minded in terms of, or open dialogue in terms of, we'll say things that maybe aren't popular, say things that are certainly not woke, uh, and we do that so that we can have discourse. And I think that that's a good thing. I think there's a lot of people that in this day and age, you know, they just want to hear their one opinion and they don't want to hear anybody else's differing opinions. And I feel like there's a little bit of a risk here that if you know your phone, your TV, your Alexa is all listening to you, my fear is, does it pick up on me having a conversation with you in the living room and maybe it's me playing devil's advocate with you, and I'm I'm taking a yeah. hard line. And the next thing you know, I have the police at my door saying, "Hey, you know, we heard you say X, Y, and yeah, Z." Yeah, we're trying to teach our kids that. You know, they put somebody on mute on Facetime or something, you know, to to have a discussion with us or whatever. And we're like, "No, you need to hang up the phone. You can't trust mute." You right. know. So I totally am aware of that and and try my hardest. And there are times where. I even consciously, I'm not saying I do it 100% of the time, but when I'm aware of it, I do try to remove my cell phone from those type of conversations, yeah. you know? Um, it's sad, though. It, I have friends that when they get home, they put their cell phone in a tinfoil line box, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I don't know where the line is, but it's 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 unfortunate that 1984 has become an actual manual, manual instead of a, yeah. uh, you know, fictitious uh, novel. Yeah, 100%. But, yeah. Anyway, that does uh, make me at times want to live a simpler life, which is a, a great segue for Keith's tiny home article. So, Keith, what made you look in the mirror and go, I could live in a tiny home? Well, I don't, I mean, I've always kind of had a feeling of maybe wanting to do something like that, I guess. Um, it didn't make me, uh, this didn't make me, I, I don't I don't know if I could do it or not. My, my mom. I've debated it. Uh, my parents have uh, a tiny home, so to speak, in Pennsylvania that we go to visit. And they, it's like their camp on weekends. But uh, the prices of these things are really what kind of caught me on on this particular article. You know, this is one that's selling on Etsy, 430 square feet, $22,000. And it's it, it's pretty nice. So <laughs> let, let, me, let me stop really you quick. Know? So before we get into this one on Etsy, I have said to my wife, I actually just said to her the other day, if we didn't have kids, yes, I think her and I could live in a time. I lived, my wife and I lived in an 800 square foot condo for the first few years of our relationship. And uh, I, I say this all the time. There's some people that like, you know, 
husband wants to watch a game, wife wants to watch uh, reality TV and they go in separate rooms. Yep. My wife and I aren't like that. Like if she's watching something I don't like, like that's fine. I just go watch on my it. phone or I do something, I watch it or I do something else. I read a book. So, you know, we're together a lot. I draw the line at The Bachelor. I can't watch that. I've one. never watched it. So I, I don't know. Is it that bad? <laughs> oh, it's terrible. <laughs> but anyway, my point is, is I know I could be like in a very small confined space with my wife. Uh, the problem I have with these particular uh, tiny homes, the one on Etsy, is a lot of times these prices are a little bit misleading. Okay. Meaning uh, they're showing you, uh, there was one on Lowe's, I think it was, or Home Depot. That was just the shed. And it was just the shell, but you didn't include like, you know. Plumbing, any, insulation, anything. flooring. No, that's yeah. correct. I don't know. I mean, yes, you're right. Some of these are that way, um, but they are becoming more affordable in general. Yeah. Um, and some of the things that people are building on their own off of, uh, you know, trailers, you know, you just buy a flatbed trailer and just yeah. building them on themselves. I think the ones in Home Depot, like I actually, I think the quality of the buildings are pretty good. And pretty you put sharp looking, too. pretty sharp looking and you put some insulation in them. Yeah. You get a front porch, you know, it's not a bad little project for a camp like that. I think would be a great way to start yes. and really see if you could do something. You know, you got a little piece of property somewhere. Mike, what's the smallest home you could live in? Me, myself, and yeah. the wife. You know, we could probably do the 800. I got three yeah. kids at home, and, you know, we just need uh, need that extra space. But yeah. I could definitely do it. But also, I couldn't because I have my businesses. You know, yeah. I'll hoard stuff, for whether it's the watches <laughs> or the guns and stuff. And then I'm like, oh, I got to get rid of it. You'll need, a, so, you'll need a tiny office for that. Yeah. Yeah. I would just have like a pole barn or something. A little outbuilding. from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah the pole barn exactly. four times the size I feel like, Keith, yeah. Keith, you could live <laughs> I could in live a- in there. Keith could live in a 300-square-foot home with a 10,000-square-foot outbuilding. I joke with my wife all the time that I want, like, a small 1,000-square-foot home and a 10,000-square-foot garage. <laughs> it's just less to clean, you know what I mean? Less to make a mess, less to clean. I'm a fan. You know, with the kids, they make a mess everywhere, so. I often, not only tiny homes, but I often feel like I could live in one of those RVs. Like, just drive around a little it's funny bit. funny you say that. I just look, I was looking at, um, on Marketplace, and I saw... I tell you, you can get a used RV. Oh yeah, cheap. you can like, look up like a pull yeah. behind. There was yeah. like a pull behind for like I would twenty want, grand. I would want one, a, like a one that I drove and then I tow a trailer. They've come a long way, man. Oh like, yeah, so some of them. I mean, yep. the insides of them are really. I spent nice. a lot of my childhood in one, and even back then, it was very, very nice. My yeah. dad, my dad would think nothing of putting all us kids in in a in a seventeen passenger van and drive us to Florida in yeah. a with a trailer, towing a trailer. Yep, go to Disney and hang out down there and. Go yeah, to NASA. I, um, have you ever done that, Mike? Have you ever? Uh, did you ever own one as a kid, or or well, I, we had, had a pop up camper? Okay, so that's pop something we had for a little bit. I gutted the whole thing and I redid it. So it was, that was a fun project. But uh, you know, we kind of outgrew that. So yeah, we like to camp definitely, and I I think this tiny home would be great. You know, I, I'm a firm believer that you got to own property nowadays. I feel like it's making it this economy and everything society's making it harder they're, to own something, especially property and land. So not it's making any more of it. because uh, if you think back to that, uh, like Chris Farley, he's like, you got to do the right thing or else you're going to live in a van down by, by the, the river. river. And now everyone's <laughs> like, I live in a van down by the river. It's yeah. awesome. <laughs> Everybody wants so it, that. It's kind of like a change of events. I am um, definitely that. That's what kind of worries me about this stuff is like, I just feel like they're making it harder to have anything. They want you to have nothing and like it. Uh, so that's a, another dangerous precedent, but that can be. It's funny because I, I always say that this sort of young generation, I would say like, you know, 25 to 30 year olds, 
uh, have have really figured out the idea that like the American dream in some ways the American dream was kind of like, you know, living be above your means and people had to have the big house and all the cars yeah. and all the toys. And I know a lot of like 25 year olds that they're just happy to have like very little and enjoy more experiences. And, you it's know, definitely have revolution more... is coming around that way again. Yeah. yeah. Our generation yeah. was more affluent and, uh, you know, opulence and I yeah. think it's kind of changing a little it's bit. The, growing up in the 80s, Miami Vice. Oh, yeah. It, it screwed yeah. us. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and the other thing that I find interesting, and Mike, you had mentioned it, a lot of uh, athletes, Bill Gates is actually a, a big one with this, a lot of athletes, a lot of uh, you know millionaires and billionaires, they're starting to buy up farms, they're starting to buy up properties and ranches, and they, they're not stupid. They know that there's only yeah. so much land to go around, and there's no better flex than having land, you know? Yeah, and I was in the tech industry, obviously, like I said, um, you know, there's these like, you know, like the campuses, they call it, you know, Google campus, Amazon campus. Uh, they'll be like, you know, they'll have, oh, we have jujitsu here. It's awesome. They have, you know, uh, you know, siesta pods, but like, that's just because they don't want you to leave. Right. So, right like, yeah. What's next? Is this place going to like, are these companies going to now like, Hey, you get free property. Cause it's going to, or, you know, a uh, free room and board, yep. but you know, you hate your job. What are you going to do? You can't just quit and find a new job. Now you got to find a new house and all this. You can't just uproot the family. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll give you a daycare. They'll give you everything. So yep. it's like, like I said, they want you to own nothing and love chain it. you and down. That's what gets me. Joe Rogan, <laughs> and I'm paraphrasing, but Joe Rogan once famously said that like all the stuff, the 401ks, the, you know, yeah. health benefits, it's, it's just a bribe to keep you there, you know, and that's, it's not, it's not a bad thing to have, but it is a hundred percent a bribe to keep you there. No doubt about yeah. it. <clears throat> so I actually want to get to your other business venture, Mike, cause I think it's super interesting. But before we do, I want to, uh, briefly talk about our friends over at onsite firearms training. Uh, the entire crew over there, they're an outstanding group of people. Keith and I know them well. We've shot with them and we've hung out with them. And they genuinely care about helping people become better shooters. Mike, I know you had said you have something you had considered doing. And, you know, we've watched those guys and, and what they do. And it's awesome to, to see good instructors teach. They have an extensive course offering. They teach classes throughout the country, whether it's pistol, shotgun, or even tactical lever action, which I think is so cool you're guaranteed to find a course that meets your needs. So check them out and get trained by the same outfit that trains Mike and Big Keith. And so Mike, with all that said, you are in the firearms space, but you also are in, uh, you deal in watches, which I think is super cool. We've uh, done a little segment here and there on on watches. And how did you get into that? I, I'm, I'm intrigued by the fact that you kind of have your uh, hands in a lot of different things. Yeah. Um I always, I think probably since I was like 12, I just seen like a magazine article of like Rolex and something about it. Like it just spoke to me like, you'll get this when you like made it, you know, that was mm -hmm. like a grail. Like this is a sign that like you did what you had to do and you did above average. And it's like, it was like my trophy. For some reason it stuck with me. So, you know, being a, you know, a young old kid and stuff, uh, my, uh, where was it? I was at like Christmas or something like that. And I got an older cousin. He moves to New York city for college. And I'm like, Hey, can you get me one of those like alley Rolexes? I was like 12. <laughs> and he's like, you know, like the $20 ones. He's like, yeah, sure. So he either mailed it or like brought it back the next Christmas. I was rocking that thing 12 on my bike. I thought I was like hot shit. <laughs> and then, uh, then I crashed. I, I bit it literally. My tooth went through the fake Rolex. I cracked no. the crystal. I, 
busted up face. I was a mess. That was kind of like a, a bad omen. I'm kind of like, all right, maybe I shouldn't have one of these until I deserve it. So <laughs> then it go back to the stippling thing. Um, yeah, I was kind of, you know, I, you know, we have three kids we're raising. I'm, I, I'm not going to say no kids, you can't do this. You can't do your dance or whatever, because daddy needs a Rolex. So I felt kind of <laughs> guilty with that. So I'm like, you know what? I like my businesses. I like starting them up. I saw some YouTube videos. I've been watching them for a while. During, it was like around during COVID and stuff. So there's not much to do. And some of these watch dealers were kind of, you know, I saw what they were doing. I'm like, okay, cool. And I said, let's try it out. So I started with like a thousand dollar watch. I did have a Rolex at the time. It was pre-owned. It was like a 1998 uh, Pepsi. Yeah. Um, so I had that. So By I, way, going, I love that there are all these nicknames for Rolexes, like Kermit. Pepsi and Coke and the Starbucks yep. and the Hulk. And I, I love that. I love that they have that. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, so I had that Pepsi or I had the Coke actually, and, um, I ended up just selling it all, funding the business. I started rolling the money around. So, you know, me wanting a watch ended up with me now owning no watches, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, you know, it's been two years. It's going strong. Um, that's where I met Chris, um, met a lot of people in the uh, actually, the military community is really big with watches. It was kind yeah. of a crazy thing. So I got into a couple of groups, and they've been super supportive. Um, I mean, there's watches of espionage on Instagram. There's uh, Anti Watch Watch Club. You know, all those guys really took me under their wing real quick, and they're like, "Go to this guy." So you know, business is doing great with that. I love the sales part of it. You know, I just you know, I feel like you know, sales. We've gotten the sales pitches before. It's just very like you know, hey, I'm trying to sell you something. You know, you come to me. We talk about it. I actually ask you questions. I care genuinely about like what you have, what you're looking for. I try to get you into that price point and, you know, we go from there, but, um, there's a lot of things we can go through with, uh, the watch, you know, the year, the age of it, obviously it's cheaper if it's older to an extent, but if it's got a watch only, if it's got the paperwork, you know, the Rolex warranty and stuff like that, you know, we, I work with you. I try to get you into something. And that's kind of where it's at. But now I can kind of rent them for a little bit. If I buy them for inventory, technically it's mine. You know, I'll clean it up before I sell it and stuff. But so it's fun. I uh, so I told our our buddy Frank, who is also into watches. He's got a he's got a a, a Rolex or two, and uh, he's he said to me, "Oh, you got somebody coming on watches." He said, "Ask him if he can find me something." So uh, I have something that he's looking for. And uh, the little bit of the backstory <clears throat> is that he was watching uh, Flipper with his kids. He's always in search of something to watch with his kids. And he went back and, you know, no surprise, Frank went back in time and put like the original a, Flipper, like the original like the Flipper, talking dolphin thing? the talking dolphin <laughs> Flipper. And he noticed that Ranger Porter had a very attractive watch. It's a it's a Nevada Gretchen uh, um, Chronomaster Aviator with broad head dials. And uh, so he's looking for a vintage one. He doesn't want a, he doesn't want a new one. Oh yeah. No problem there. Um, <laughs> that is not a unique watch at all. I'm joking. I, I think, well, the vintage <laughs> ones I think are pretty unique. I was, I didn't even, I'd never even heard of that company before. I, I looked them up. They are still making watches, correct? They're Swiss or Swedish or something. You got me on that one. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's a new one to me. I was like, I've never even heard I could of probably it. probably find it. So, Mike, I quickly did a, um, I did a search for the top. Keith and I have had this conversation before about like, do watches actually are they a good investment, bad investment? Do they hold their value? Do they not? And like, obviously, some better than others. So, this was the top five watch brands 
that will hold their value. And I'm going to read the list and I want to know if you agree. I'm probably going to butcher a name or two as well. So number one, no surprise, Rolex. Uh, number two, Patek Philippe. Did I say that correctly? Yeah, that's okay. pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> good luck on the uh, third one. <laughs> yeah, third one. So uh, Jager Lacouture, something like that. Yeah, close enough. How, how do you, well, how, yeah, let's hear it. How do you say it? Uh, Jaeger Le Coot, something oh, like that. Way off. You were way off. Yeah. Jaeger Le Coot, something along those lines. Okay. Omega. Was I say JLC. <laughs> uh, number four was Omega, and number five was Tag Heuer. So, how do you feel about that list? It's pretty good. Um, for everyone in the firearms space, I know some people kind of. Uh, you know, they, they do have a little bit more of a survivalist sort of like being prepared mentality. You know, when when bartering goes down, everyone knows the crown. So Rolex, you know, I follow, like I told you, that watches espionage on Instagram. You know, there's some stories of agents and stuff that actually had to like barter to get out of Dodge with like a Rolex. So, you know, that's something that um, I'm a Rolex fanboy. I would put that number one anytime. Yep. So I agree with that 100%. Most um, people would, I would think. Yeah, I think so too. They, they oh, yeah, just got absolutely. the name recognition, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And actually it wasn't uh, until a while that like um, I saw like a Panerai watch and I was like, wait, there's more watches than Rolex out there. Cause I like, <laughs> I saw it at some events with being a programmer. I did some stuff for a maritime company. Um, I saw an Admiral across from me and he had a uh, Panerai. I was like, what is that? That looks awesome. And that really got me to like, wait, there's more than Rolex. This is so cool. <laughs> so uh, that's, you know, my other love. Unfortunately, they're kind of, uh, and they could do things better, but I, I digress. Uh, yeah, so I agree with Rolex. Patek Philippe, they're still family-owned. They provide masterpieces. Um, I did have some in my you know possession for a short time selling them. I really didn't get the wow factor. Um, I mean, they are retailing for like two, three times what you could buy it for. Okay. Uh, when you get to this caliber of watches, we're talking like you have to go in there. They interview you. Uh, it's a very stringent process. You're not just getting a watch. I, I have to say, I, I know the name and I know it's a really like high level, like, you know, collectible. I know, yeah. you know, wealthy people want them, but yeah. I, it, just looking at it, it doesn't like pop for me. You know what I mean? No. And even some Rolexes don't pop for me actually, but. You know, I, I completely agree with you there. Um, uh, JLC. Cause I hate that name as well. Uh, you know, they have a, a watch that's like a reverso it's called. Um, they're kind of dubbed as the watch, the watchmaker of watchmakers. Okay. Um, so, you know, they got high quality movements and durability. They do have a great history. Um, but they don't really speak to me, but I do understand that they are one of the, you know, upper echelon brands, but they're kind of, I might put them sixth place. Maybe, um, Omega, they provide solid product. You don't really have to wait. You can go into a boutique and actually get the watch that you want, which is great. Um, people that get sick of waiting for Rolex or whatnot, they ended up just going for like a Seamaster or a Speedmaster. Do they hold their value? Uh, to an extent. Yeah. Uh, you won't lose as much. Okay. Uh, we'll get more into that with the uh, number five. But um, yeah, Omega is great. I feel like a, a Speedmaster, uh, that, I mean, that has history with NASA and stuff. Yep. Like that's like the first watch on the moon. Now, whether, you know, they were the lowest bidder or something like that, you know, that's different, but the, you know, they're used for the Olympics and stuff. Uh, yeah. So they have a great marketing agency too. So that helps. But uh, tag, I definitely do not agree with them being in the top five, uh, selling them second on the second market, secondary market. It's, 
they're going for half or less of what I, you pay for them. I own a tag and I would not put them on that list. I mean, I love my, I love my tag and I think they're beautiful watches and, but I, I would not say that they're on that list for that. But yeah, you know, they're, they're good watches. They're good first watches. But, um, you know, if you have that kind of like that 1500 to 2000 budget, sure. You know, but at that point I might steer you more to a tutor, which is kind of like a sister company of Rolex. Right. Uh, they don't, I, th- I think, I don't think they should be on this top five. I feel like, um, Audemars Piguet AP, I mm-hmm. feel like they should be on this list. And I feel like, uh, Richard Mill should be on this list. Well, there was, so there was a little bit of discussion. Uh, thank you, by the way, for joining the discord group and, uh, <clears throat> engaging with some of our fans and listeners, but there was uh, a discussion going on about some affordable watches, right? So give us some top brands for affordability. Um, if you are in the, you know, that and I guess like thousand. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, exactly. Yep. That's yeah, what I'm if you're in that range, thousand bucks. It, it, speaking to the gun community as well, I'm a huge fan of Sanjin instruments. I'm not sponsored by them or anything like that. I wish I was, but Jake and Paris are two awesome guys. They have a huge following. Uh, their watches are just awesome. Their customer service is even better. They're just a great company. And funny enough, I've had a ton of watches on my wrist. Sanjin, what was it? Wa- Sanjin, like the, uh, oh. you know, like the town over in, uh, you know, uh, you know, Saudi Arabia or something like that. Sanjin, yeah. that's where one of the, I'm trying to think they have a huge military background with that. They're actually, uh, you know, military, uh, yeah, did, you know, veterans and stuff. Did Chris mention this too? <clears throat> I, uh, I think so. Probably. Maybe. Yeah. I believe so. But yeah, so they ended up getting out of their service and, you know, that's, I think they were stationed there, you know, something along those lines, um, you know, it's all on their website, but, uh, yeah, there's great guys. And I instantly fell in love with those being a gun guy myself and they're all watch sold guy. out. Perfect. What was that? They're all sold out on the website. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because they offer awesome stuff. They have a great following. The community's awesome. I cannot say enough good things about them. Uh, if there's something wrong, even if it's outside the warranty, I mean, they might just fix it for you. Like what they is, are just top notch. What is their uh, price point? You're looking at like, if you can get it during the drops, you're looking five fifty to a thousand. Okay. You know, I mean the movements in there, some of the movements are kind of quartz based, but, uh, you know, other ones are automatic. So, you know, you end up getting kind of like a Seiko type movement inside there, but you know, it's, I'd rather go with them than an actual Seiko. Um, a lot of these movements you can just grab and do your own watchmaking. Like there's a website like DIY watch club or something like that. You can actually build your own watch. They'll probably have a Seiko movement in or something, but those are because they are tested and you know tried and true talk to me about these movements like what are the differences between so quartz is battery versus automatic is where the movement of your wrist you actually have to like wind it um some of these have uh you know when you're walking and actually moving you're going to be actually powering the watch back up uh so they have watch winders for this if you don't wear something for a while you could put it in there we're talking like Back to Patek Philippe, they have these like perpetual calendars that know every date up to like twenty ninety nine. You know the the intricacies inside there for watchmaking. It's just you know, it's mind boggling. So I, so uh, Keith was asking about Seiko. So Seiko is they're a brand of watch, but their movement is that's an automatic movement, correct? Yes, correct. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. So you got to. I mean, I'm 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 a child here. I don't <laughs> auto, automatic what? I don't I don't understand. Automatic is when your wrist movement. Is what winds the watch. Okay. So or you physically wind the watch with the crown. You would twist it like let's say thirty times, and it's powered up for like the next two days. Okay. 
Yeah, if okay. you don't, if you and, set the watch down and you don't touch it for two days, you'll find that the time and the date might be off. So right. you have to go back in, wind it, and then reset it to like the current date and time, and then you're ready to roll. And typically, typically, automatic movements are more sought after. Yes. And are those the two? Ty- those are the only two types of movements that there are that I'm aware of. Yes, but there's <clears throat> there's things like complications. Which now, if you want to chronograph, you want to be able to do like a stopwatch. Uh, you know, everything's called a complication. You want a date complication. You want a uh, you know chronograph complication. You want the moon phase complication. You know, those are extra things that go on top. Now, picture like stacking gears. Just mm-hmm. to make it do hours and minutes. Now stack them for a date. Now stack them for a month and a year. Chronograph. You know, you're starting to get into some really crazy engineering type stuff, which is where the uh, the art of uh, horology really kicks in, and that's a whole nother realm of like diving into it. Because yeah. you could be a, a Rolex fanboy, that's great. But if you are actually like, I just had someone purchase a vintage Hewer, which is pre tag. Those watches are stellar. I mean, they have a great history. So that tells me that that person that purchased that watch knows more about, uh, you know, watchmaking and horology than just someone that buys a Rolex because they have the money. So there's two sides of the coin on that. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of these watches, uh, like you'd mentioned about like uh, Rolex and stuff. And I mean, they, they are beautiful watches, but there is also something to the idea of how well they keep time, right? Like that that's better watches keep time better. For sure. Yeah. So it's not just like, not just a nice looking watch. It's not just a name brand, although marketing is a big part of it. They're, they are uh, much better ma- made, better manufactured, better movements and whatnot. So, yeah, there's actually a quartz crisis in the eighties where like the Casios really took over like those ear seals, like typewriter watches, you know, that did like, they were like a calculator on your wrist. Yeah. yeah. That, that really like sunk a bunch <laughs> of companies and back to tag Heuer, That's kind of why I feel like they had to get bought out because they just didn't, uh, their finances, they couldn't keep up. Some other, you know, Rolex was like, let's make a, a quartz movement. Uh, these companies tried to keep up with it, but you know, you took something that was very like, um, you know, in, you know, hands and technical and like, let's just throw a battery in it. Yeah. You know, so like it took away that art of horology. So the course crisis, you know, everything was super accurate, obviously. How do you beat something that's digital? Um, but you know, there's an art to doing it with gears and things that click and move. And that's crazy. Like your movement powers a watch. Well, that's we, we awesome. were talking about the idea that uh, when Chris was on, we talked about <clears throat> that if, you know, you're going to buy a watch and you're looking for something that's reasonable, like you can, it doesn't get any better than G-Shock. Like their shit's awesome. You <laughs> oh, know what yeah. I mean? But it's not the same as a Rolex, right? But I mean, 100%. there's no doubt about it that they're phenomenal watches. They're bulletproof. They keep time. They, they do everything well, yeah. but there's, you know, and, 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 I would argue that there's people like, you know, there's celebrities who are rocking G-Shocks. They have a little bit of like um, social, uh, you know, pizzazz to them. Yeah, well, a little bit of clout. Watches are like firearms, I guess. You know, you can go for Rolexes or uh, or G-Shocks in, in firearms too, yeah, right? Exactly. So. Glocks is easy. Absolutely. <laughs> you can have your 2011 Staccato. You can have it all. It's yeah. it's a hundred. And that's kind of why they sort of go hand in hand with one another, honestly, which is, yeah. it's kind of cool. Very, yeah. very true. You can, you can go down the rabbit hole as far as you want to go, which is pretty neat. One of the, the my, I guess my last article for tonight that I, that I wanted to bring up was, um, that I had sent to you, Mike, was uh, an opinion piece and it's titled the AR 15 next door. And what I, what I liked about this article was 
this gentleman, uh, what was his name? David Chung, uh, you know, talked about how uh, I don't want to alarm you. This is actually how the article starts right off. I don't, I don't want to alarm you, but I want you to know that I'm your neighbor and I own an AR-15. <laughs> uh, you know, he, uh, he talked a lot about his upbringing and, and who he is as a person and um, just the fact that, you know, this is a very, very popular platform and a lot of people have them and, and, and there's a good chance that your neighbor probably has an AR-15. I mean, we're surrounded by neighbors. <laughs> he, we're, we're fortunate. He sort of goes. He sort of goes as far as to say, uh, you know, I'm I'm not a white male. I'm not a, like he yeah. kind of like dispels these sort of like myths. myths yeah. He, he says, first of all, I'm not a white supremacist. Yeah, which <laughs> I, I thought was hilarious. I, 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 I thought it was a very well done article, and uh, I think the the point that uh, what I got from it that I thought was interesting was the idea that especially as we start to, after the Bruin decision, we start to get into a lot of these lawsuit cases. And, you know, yep. there's a Chicago assault weapons ban case. There's, you know, there's one in New York that's probably about to get some legs. And as we sort of go down that rabbit hole a bit, the idea that Heller brought up the idea of common use and it doesn't get more common than this particular firearm. And so I really thought it was a, a very well done article in the fact that, you know, aside from places like New York where they've sort of um, made it a little bit more difficult to get them, maybe they've kind of made it. You I know, was going to say neutered them. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I meant more the idea that if you're someone who's just getting into guns and you live in New York, they've sort of decentivized people to get this platform. They've made it yeah. more difficult or more like, ah, it's just not worth my, like, a headache. And so- if you take away states like New York and California where they've decentivized people to get them everywhere else, they're so just common, you mm -hmm. know? And so I thought that the article did a really good job with that. Uh, and, and to go one step further than that, it's not like we have like just massive amounts of crime because your neighbor has one and you don't even know about it. You know, it's right. like, it's just not that big. Well, of a he, deal. you know, and, and like, I think like you said already, he did just such a great job at, at kind of pointing out that, the stereotypical AR-15 owner is not necessarily entirely true. Yeah. Right. You know, he's like, he goes and he says, I, I, I did not grow up around guns. Um, he had toy guns. He's not tactical. He's not a redneck, a good old boy. He doesn't own a truck. He's not a computer gamer that lives in his parents' basement. You know, like these are all stereotypes of people. That who the media own, paints. Yeah. That the media paints that, you know, people who own AR-15s are like, and, uh, you know, he just goes on to, it, it just was a good change because on Chopping It Up, we've talked a lot about the other side of these AR-15 articles and about, you know, these people who have no idea what guns uh, are actually like and are not into this industry, I guess I'll say. And uh, they they have no idea what an AR-15 actually is or what how it's used or what would you use it for. And they they do paint these stereotypes, and this was a refreshing article in the opposite direction. So yeah, um, I thought it, thought it was good. Yeah, and and I say this all the time, but we have all these articles are in the show notes, and so if you want to read this article, you can go and read it. And and I would, it was actually really well done. Uh, Mike, what was your take on this? Yeah, I think that's what we actually are. Like he described, like ninety nine point nine nine percent of us. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I, I recall being at a, uh, so I have my like 36 or 39 state concealed carry licenses. I have all of them. It's like Pokemon. I collected them all. <laughs> um, and, you know, I was actually, I think my daughter was dancing somewhere and, you know, I had the permit for it. So I, I was concealed carrying, obviously. Um, and we were at like a Dunkin' Donuts or something. And the people that were processing went to get a, a coffee. You know, they're saying, you know, this gun is, you know, f- automatic weapons, get them off the street. Whatever their sign said, it was complete gibberish. I like looked at my son. I'm like, that's already illegal. Like, I don't get what they're saying. But she spilled her coffee. Here I am cleaning up her coffee, helping her because that's just what a good person does. And she doesn't even know that I'm, con- I would protect her life if I had to. You know, like this is just what gets me about this. The media paints this type of like picture, like we talked about. It's just a joke. And like, we're actually not a holes. We're actually decent people that we care, you know, and that that's what's sad. You bring up a good point about the, what you just said, but I, I, I wonder if I have a neighbor across the street who, you know, absolutely despises guns, you know, everything he reads, uh, this isn't a real person, by the way, but you know, the, the, every, everything that person reads is, you know, scares them, petrifies them. And they come over and they see my kids playing in the yard and they're friendly and they're nice. And they're like, oh, you know, that Mike's such a nice guy. Anytime I need a hand, he's always there for me. If all of a sudden they find out I'm a gun owner, does any of that change? You know what I mean? Like, well, it cha- for some people, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's like the line. Yeah, but you I'm know, saying you cross though, like, I, I just find it funny that like we can't just be good people. You've committed a crime before you've actually even done anything. You know, like, <laughs> well, that's the <laughs> yeah. whole like um, the thought police. That's the whole gun free zones. Is it's like, yeah. does you going there with a gun make it any more dangerous if you have no ill intent? Like absolutely not. You know? Yeah. I mean, think about, you know, all of us, right. All three of us here, we're, we're all concealed carry holder, uh, permit holders. We all live in New York. We all have probably, you know, if you think about accumulative, the amount of times you've walked out of your house carrying a firearm, uh, legally, right? Like, cause we have laws of when and where we can't uh-huh. carry them. Right. But it, before some of those laws, when it was a little easier yep. to carry, if you accumulatively add up all the times you've done it, and and, and there's never been a, been never a problem. problem. Not a problem. <laughs> never been a problem. You know, like I don't understand. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Well, we're going we're gonna to kind of close this thing out, but I said I was going to start with New York City, so I'm going to end with New York City. And Mamma Mia, this... no more wood-fired pizza. <laughs> Keith, how... Sad were you? With this. Uh, well, this isn't happening. First of all, this is not going to happen. But so this is New York City wants to make it where you can no longer use wood fired or coal fired pizza. No, ovens, not right? entirely. You got to get a bit. This originated when De Blasio was was mayor, and it was um, uh, some new laws that passed for uh, emission standards, and basically they are asking for these, you know. There's, I don't know, not many of them, uh, maybe a dozen or so uh, pizzerias in New York City that still use wood fire or coal fired pizzas. I didn't know coal fire was a thing, by the way. Oh, coal fire pizzas are delicious. Really? <laughs> yeah, they're stellar. <laughs> I've never had that. Well, we're going to go on a road trip and I'm going to take you someplace for some coal fired pizza. I love it. But um, they want them to add in this emission system that could cost like $20,000. Yeah, so or the, something so like the that. one guy said he had done this and whatnot. Right. But and he says it has an effect on the pizza, which I believe him. It's probably true. And it's not that I'm a against them adding the emission systems if they want to. But if they don't want to, and they've been doing this forever and ever and ever. So maybe I misunderstood. I thought that they were saying going forward, though, you couldn't 
you couldn't build a pizzeria that has this. Am I wrong about that? I did not read that in the article. I read that if you're going to build it, you have to have this emission system. Okay. Anything yeah. that's not been opened prior to 2016 has to have this emission system. Got it. Because the one guy said he put one in, it was $20,000 and it's expensive. You have to have people go and check it and monitor Correct. it. And, Clean it. Yeah. And, and apparently- But his neighbors are happy. Yeah. Yeah. He said his neighbors, are, they're not getting the smell anymore. I would love to live in a place where my- <laughs> Apartment smelt like pizza all the time. Oh, forget about it. <laughs> I mean, I have to say, well, pizza is one of my favorite foods. For oh, well. for sure. It, I mean, I could eat pizza every day. Matter of fact, I want some right now. Yeah, I, um, fire and, up the pizza oven. Yeah, and I know, uh, like, it's like a place by us. This place called Cosmos, and they do uh, wood fired. Yep. And you walk in there, and it's just like, oh, it's the greatest smell in the world. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, there is for sure wood fire and, and coal fire pizza. I mean, Barstool uh, sports guy, what, David, uh, what's his po- po- Portnoy. Uh, Portnoy? You know, he he responded. This has made a huge amount of controversy, <laughs> too, by the way. Has Elon it? Musk has responded. You know, uh, he's responded. The Barstool sports guys respond. Uh, you know, it, it, this there is the top echelons of pizzas are wood-fired and coal-fired, period, the end. Yeah. Like, the best pizzas in the world are that kind of pizzas. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, really, these 12 well, or 20 said, pizzerias are going to make a difference? Did they say it would cut 75% of emissions? There's no way that could be no, true. 75 per, yeah, they do. They said 75% of emissions, but read into that. 75% of the emissions coming out of these 20 places. Right. All the EV cars that you're trying to push are going to make a bigger difference than this, right? Stop flying point. around in your private jets or whatever, which there, there's I don't no way want you to that do. This is going to put a big dent in Not a problem. big enough dent where it should yeah. really matter. And, and what the hell? you know are we gonna cook with one day if there's no electric or the power grid goes out like you gotta light fire somehow <laughs> i mean listen we live in a state where you can no longer put a gas stove in a home yeah they're trying you know, to do that yep. which is crazy Did you ever so. see that meme with the gas and flag or instead of the snake coiled up it's an <laughs> it's a gas stove and it's like come and take it that's, no. that was amazing yeah oh my god that's hilarious yeah. I was like a day after it happened. Listen, I love to cook, <laughs> and I prefer gas stoves over electric stoves. Well, I hundred percent. I yeah. had said. I mean, you ask any chef, it's gas, gas stove. There's no electric. Yeah, and I was saying to can't my, regulate the temperature on electric stove yep, as well. Right. I was saying to my wife, I said, uh, you know, in, in New York State, it's what any new buildings, right? You that's can't, the, that's what. Yeah, I don't know if it's officially passed yet. I'd have to go back and look. Yeah, but I yeah. mean, they're trying pretty hardcore. Trying pretty hard. And I'm thinking, what about a new restaurant? So, what are these chefs going to do? Because I don't know a chef worth their salt that uses an electric stove. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know, I don't know how they're going to get around that. But I mean, you, it just seems, it, it seems like it's something that would be very hard to actually make a law because, again, I think you would shut down every restaurant. Well, and I think I've said this before, but it's such, it's so, it's such a good example or another good example of short-sightedness and uneducated about the real process. Like you, you, you want to move electric, you want to move all this all away from gas stoves, but what does it take to get there and what other impacts are being affected you know, these electric we've cars, talked about we've this. talked I mean, about, yeah, I mean, the mining alone is it, the shit yeah, the that your battery crazy. is made out of comes out of the ground, the same plate right next to that dead dinosaur, right, right, right I mean, next yeah. to it. Yep. Dug <laughs> up I, by I, like a diesel backhoe. Yeah. Listen, I, I don't, right. I, I'm not an expert in it and I don't have the numbers on it to say which is more or which is less, but all I know is. I mean, is, I think. It's, it's a mineral, right? Like, I, 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 my point is, is I don't have the numbers. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm an expert that maybe an EV car saves, you know, more fossil fuels than if you're digging for oil. 
but don't act like it doesn't have an impact. It fucking has an impact. Well, and, and there's only so much of it. Like you're not making more lithium. And then like, you go on top of that, where yeah. they're mining it, they're mining it in China, they're mining it in countries that, you know, aren't, these I aren't mean, good countries. Well, we've seen pictures of people in a lithium mine. It's like, yeah. they're like people shoulder to shoulder yeah. climbing over each other for a handful of lithium, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like people talk, talking about, uh, you know, doing good for people, this and that. And then they're on a cell phone that's made in China and sweatshops. It's well, like, I mean, this one guy that after I sent you this article, I, I sent you it afterwards, but he, uh, he went to city hall with a few boxes of pizza and started throwing the pizza over the gates at city hall. And he was like, he's like, you <laughs> heard of the pizza, Boston tea party. <laughs> this is the New York pizza party. <laughs> Give me pizza. Give me dust. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> so nobody's taking away. That. Nobody's taking away New York pizza. I tell you that they could try. Yeah, take the one last good thing about New York away. That's <laughs> exactly. Awesome. You it's can all take we our got. guns, but leave our pizza alone. That's all we got going for us. Well, I think that'll do it for this episode. I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in, and a very special thanks to Mike for hanging out with us and chopping it up. Be sure to check out all of his awesome custom Cerco and stippling work at idgstippling.com. If anyone out there has any opinions or thoughts on tonight's conversation, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram or Discord and let your voice be heard.